So Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, look in verse, uh, start looking, if you would please, in verse 22. And actually, we're going to back up to verse 21. Um, I told my class that I was going to teach the lesson here today that I was going to, that, that I would have taught in our class if we had class today, but that lesson was on pride. Just didn't figure it would apply in here. So uh, we won't teach on pride in here, so I'm going to teach on husbands, love your wives. And uh, so anyway, and, and it's good because Christmas is coming. And uh, how many husbands have already been shopping, thinking in your mind for, for your, what you're going to get your wife for Christmas? Any, anybody? Really? Good. All right. There's a, there's a man that knows where his bread is buttered. And, uh, you know, you, you guys pay attention. That's a good example to follow. You need to be thinking right now. I've been thinking what I'm going to do for Elsie for Christmas. And uh, I'm not going to tell you because you guys can't keep a secret. And so... I'm not going to tell her. Of course, the trouble is I can't keep a secret either. Every time I get a really good gift, I've got to let it out of the bag. I usually end up giving it to her early. and uh, so. But she, she has one rule. I can't get her anything for a gift that has a cord on it. Um, she says, that, has, that is what you're supposed to work with. That's not a Christmas present. And uh, but now through the years, she's given me many things for Christmas that have cords on it. Of course, now, cords have been replaced by batteries. You want a battery-powered doodad. And, uh, but anyway, if you would look in, in Ephesians chapter 5, I need to remember we have a quitting time here, so I want to get started and not waste our time. Look at verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Then we come to verse 25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Then look down to verse 28, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. Um, he that loveth his wife loveth himself. So this is talking about uh, Paul's counsel for a Bible-believing home. And uh, now, go back, if you would, to verse 18. And, and actually, I could do a little review of all of Ephesians. Does anybody remember how Ephesians is broke down? There's six chapters. Three chapters teach on one thing. Three chapters teach on the other. Anybody remember? The first three chapters are what? Doctrine. The second three chapters are practice. Okay, in chapter 4, beginning Paul's teaching on practice, he tells us to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. So he's talking about our walk. In chapter 5, then, he tells us again, he's still talking about walk, but look at verse 2. Um, be ye therefore, I'm reading verse 1 and 2, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So Paul is talking about our walk. This is the practical stuff that he's given us in the second half of the book of Ephesians. So he's told us to walk worthy of our vocation. We're to walk in love. We're also, look at verse 8, uh, we were some, and ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light, 
in the Lord, walk as children of light. So now we're to walk in love, we're to walk in light, and then you get a little further and look in verse 15. See then that you walk, we're still talking about the practical walk of the believer, walk circumspectly. I picture tiptoeing through the barnyard. You know, uh, barnyards are not as, as typical as they used to be. It used to be that every family farm had a barn and a barnyard, and, you know, it was usually a lot of times fenced in, and you just need to be careful where you step, or you're going to get stuff on your shoes that you'd rather not be there, right? And so, anyway, that's an idea of walking circumspectly, looking all around. Spect is the idea of look. Circum is the idea of around. Walk looking around. Pay attention to what's going on. Walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And then he says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Could we just say, use every opportunity you get? God gives us opportunities every day, and lots of times the opportunities come and go, and we're no richer for them. We don't take every opportunity or use every opportunity we could. Then he tells us in verse 17, wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Well, what is the will of the Lord? Well, verse 18, the will of the Lord is be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Then he gives evidences of speaking or of being filled with the Spirit. One is speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. We could say rejoicing is an evidence of being filled with the Spirit. Then verse 20 is giving thanks. Uh, always for all things unto God. Uh, and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks. So rejoicing is an evidence of being filled with the Spirit. Thanksgiving or gratitude is an evidence of being filled with the Spirit. Uh, I can tell you, if you show me somebody who's not filled with joy and somebody who's not grateful, I can show you somebody who's not filled with the Spirit. Okay? Those are dead giveaways. And then the third thing is submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, he's talking to the church here. He doesn't get into the home until verse 22. And so he's talking to the church. He's talking about submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. There's a mutual submission. Could we say here's the third evidence of being filled with the Spirit, and that's knowing how to get along with people. Submitting yourselves one to another, that's getting along with each other. We need to love one another and get along with each other. What does that mean? That means often we're going to end up deferring to another person's wishes. Now, I'm not talking in sinful things. I'm just talking in, in things like, do you, want, do you like fried pork chops or fried chicken better? Okay, there's, there's, uh, you know, there, there's everybody's head of pork chop. There's one pork chop left on the plate and submitting yourselves one to another, I'd say, Benjamin, you have the last pork chop, uh, even though my belly's still growling. Um, but um, on my bacon sandwich, I ate it a little before five, and it's wearing out. And uh, it just dawned on me just a little bit ago, Fred was singing, and, and I was feeling my belly gurgling, and I said, my bacon sandwich is given out already. I should have had two bacon sandwiches. But anyway, uh, all that to say, uh, getting along with each other. Now, Here's what you've got to catch, and a lot of people fail to put this together, but being filled with the Spirit is God's plan for every relationship to work. 
because it's after he gives this teaching about being filled with the Spirit, and I'm going to talk more about that tonight. We're not talking about being filled with the Spirit this morning. That'll come later. But right now, I want you to see that it does connect with the thought of wives submitting to their husbands and husbands loving their wives. In chapter 6, verse 1, it does, it does deal with parents, children obeying their parents and parents not provoking their children to wrath. It does deal with masters and servants. Being filled with the Spirit will make you a better husband or wife. Being filled with the Spirit will make you a better parent or child. Being filled with the Spirit will make you a better employer or employee. Everything you do is going to be better when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And so that's Paul's teaching about practice. Now, there's an interesting thing here. Verse 21, is, it goes back to verse 18. It's the last of that thought. But it also leads the thinking in verse 22. And, uh, oh, what's his name? Robertson's word pictures. Is it A.T. Robertson? A.T. Robertson says that this can happen, that the last sentence of a paragraph can also be the lead sentence of the next paragraph. In other words, one sentence can belong to two different thoughts. And that's what verse 21 is. So there is a mutual submission that is required in husbands and wives. You know, lots of guys want to get married, but they don't want to live any different outside of the fact that they now have a wife. They still want their own time, their own space. They want their own hobby. They want their own thing. I know a guy that um, in high school, uh, he misstepped and uh, his girlfriend became pregnant out of wedlock. Well, he did the right thing. He married her. But he didn't change anything except that they moved in together. Now, they got married. They were not cohabiting. Without marriage, they were married. But he, so he could finish school, worked a 3 to 11 shift at, at, at a store in town. It was like a uh, hardware store. And so he, he, he'd go to school in the morning. He had an 8 o'clock class. He was there. And then in the evening when he got off school, then he'd go to work. And he'd work till 11. When, when 11 o'clock came, he didn't go home then. He'd go coon hunting with a buddy or he played on a slow-pitch softball league. He just never submitted himself to the marriage. It was like being married, but I've made no changes outside of the fact I put a ring on your finger. And, and one day he came home and found her with somebody else, and he couldn't understand why she had landed up in the arms of some other guy. He couldn't understand that. Listen, your life is going to have to change when you get married because you're no longer alone, okay? And you can't continue to live like a single guy when you're married. You've, you've got to understand, she and I are now one. And so you know what? When work is over, it's time to go home. And I've got to submit myself to this marriage relationship. So that's how submitting yourselves one to another works in the home. You know, there's times that no matter the fact that I may want to do something else, I have to do a certain thing because my wife needs me to do it. And so I'm just not out there freelancing and freeloading and doing what I want to. I'm not free to go anywhere I want to. When I'm married, I have a wife. And you know what? I'm glad I have a wife. She's part of me. This is not begrudging. This is done joyfully. Well, it's got to be if you're going to be filled with the Spirit, right? 
Rejoicing is part of being filled with the Spirit. So this has got to be done gladly. And, uh, and listen, by the way, guys, uh, ladies can tell if it's done gladly or grudgingly. They can tell. And uh, they can see right through it. If you do something grudgingly, they can see it right away. Now, so let's talk about this, this instruction here in verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. And I love this verse, ladies, um, because, uh, and, and I can help ladies love this verse more. You, you say, well, yeah, you, you guys all preach about wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Um, you know, sure, a guy would like to preach that. Well, the idea, the concept is that uh, the husband is going to be submitted to the Lord, so it's not so hard to submit to him if he's submitted to the Lord. How many ladies would acknowledge it's a lot easier to obey a husband who is loving God and living for the Savior than a guy who's doing his own thing? How many ladies would say, Ab absolutely, one lady raises her hand. How many ladies? Okay, I, I get a couple now, a little late. Let's do that again. All the ladies that say it would, it's a lot easier to submit to a guy who's submitted to the Lord than one who's not. All the ladies that would say that, okay, that's better. Um, and uh, you probably wouldn't raise your hands if I gave you $50 bills. Um, but uh, anyway, it, it's a good thing to do. Now, the word submission is the word huputasso. It means to be arranged in a military order. But the, but the whole idea is that it doesn't mean that the husband is better than the wife. It, it's a matter of role playing. Uh, somebody's got to be in charge. And listen, a lot of guys are not good at being in charge, but it doesn't matter because the Lord said it's to be this way. And so some guys need to develop arts of leadership. Some guys are just not naturally born leaders, and you're going to have to learn how to lead a wife. That's where studying the Scripture will help you because the Scripture teaches principles of leadership. But let's, let's go back to the wives and talk about the wives. I want to show you this, ladies. Uh, the word, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Some guys uh, use this passage and others like it to really, uh, really hold male leadership in a church out there. And I do believe in male leadership, but this is talking about you, you, don't, have to, you don't have to submit yourself to every guy in the church. Okay, this is submitting to your own husband. The word own is, uh, I, I love this word, it is idios. It is the word from which we get idiot. And so you could translate this and say, wives, submit yourselves unto your idiot husbands as unto the Lord. That maybe makes it a little easier to swallow. Uh, so, but, but understand, that's what it says. For the, for the husband is the head of the wife, why do you submit to him? Because he's the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Is Christ the head of the church? Yes, he is. Do we submit to Christ? Yes, we do. Now, here is the principle. Husbands, we're supposed to be as submitted to Christ as we know how to be. It'll make our wives' jobs a lot easier. Okay? And uh, so, so get that. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own, there's that word again, idios, their own husbands in everything. The word idios actually means peculiar to oneself. Every wife has a husband who is peculiar to her. And uh, guys, that doesn't mean you need to try to be peculiar. Most of you 
don't have any trouble with that. Um, a lot of us have peculiar ways. You know, we like to hang our head on our, our, our pants on the bedstead, and uh, every wife knows that they're supposed to be hung in the closet, but every guy knows that's why God made headboards on a bed, so you can hang your pants on them when you go to bed at night. And But, you know, when you get married, now that might have worked when you were single, but when you get married, your wife says, no, 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 we don't hang our clothes on the bedpost. we got to hang them in the closet. That's what hangers are for, right? And uh, so, anyway, that's some of that mutual submitting. Okay, now, let's go to the men. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make this hard on the ladies. I've spent about all the time on the ladies that I'm going to spend here because I really want to get to the men. He comes now, by the way, do you notice this? Paul said he spoke to the wives first before he told the husbands to love their wives. He told the wives to submit themselves to the husbands. Why did he talk to the person who was not the head of the home first? Did that never strike you strange that Paul spoke to the one who is in submission first and then he spoke to the one who has the greater authority second? He did it with the children too. Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Then in verse 3 he says, parents don't, or you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath. He spoke to the kids first and then to the parents. He speaks to the, to the servants first and then to the masters. Why does he do that? Because there's two positions in this home. There's the position of power, which is the head, and there's the position of influence. And the power of influence is always greater than the power of position. So he spoke to the wife first. Listen, when God wanted to change a nation, he put his man second in command. God wanted to change the nation of Egypt. So where did he put Joseph? Right next to Pharaoh, but Pharaoh is still first. Joseph had the power of influence. Daniel was carried captive into Babylon. He became, he through the workings of God, he worked his way up to be second in command of all of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar was, was the king. Daniel was in his, he was second. Why? Because the power of influence can actually change the direction of the person who has the power of position. You can be in... Ladies, your husbands can be influenced. And, and your influence can either be perfume or poison. You can either influence your husband to love God and walk with him, or you can drive him away. You can turn him with your influence. Mother used to say, uh, she says, well, George, that was my dad, George is the head, but I'm the neck, and the neck turns the head. <laughs> and, uh, and, and though there was some truth to that, I think actually a better picture for the wife is not a neck, but the heart. The heart can move the head. And a wife needs to be a godly heart, a godly influence in the home. So now we're down to the point that Paul has talked to the wives. Now he comes to the husbands and he says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And that's where we're going to spend most of our time this morning. Um, this is agape love. Uh, the difference between agape love and phileo love is the difference between divine sacred love 
in human fondness or affection. There's some things we need to know about God's about about this agape love. It is sacred. In other words, you can't produce it in a human heart. It has to be produced in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And so this is really hard. A person in other words, a person who was not born again does not have the Holy Spirit. He's not going to do, be able to ever do anything but phileo love. Now, he can love his wife really good with phileo love, but it's, he's never going to have agape love un, until he gets born again. Girls, this is one reason you don't want to marry an unsaved guy, because he doesn't have the Holy Ghost in him. And because he doesn't have the Holy Ghost in him, he's not even capable of agape love. Agape love is produced by the Holy Spirit of God who lives in us. So, it is a sacred love. Number two, it's a sacrificial love. It is a love that loves the other person so much that they're willing to give themselves totally for this other person. Jesus died on the cross. His his agape love caused him to have his body pierced through with his spear. It caused him to permit himself to be nailed to the cross. Listen, there were not enough Romans in Jerusalem to nail Jesus to the cross if he didn't want to go. Jesus walked to the cross like a gentleman. I pictured this in my mind hundreds of times. Jesus walked to the cross like a gentleman, I do not see him being wrestled to the ground by Roman soldiers. Oh, yes, they tortured him. They beat him. But when it was time to go to the cross, I see Jesus going over and laying down like a gentleman and spreading his arms. He permitted them to drive the nails in his, probably not in his palms because that would have torn through, probably in his wrist, the joint between the heel of your hand and the wrist. Jesus permitted his ankles to be nailed to the cross. Jesus permitted the crown of thorns to be placed upon his head. Jesus permitted all of the torture that took place. He permitted it all. And at any moment, all he had to do was look at one of the centurions or one of the soldiers and say, die. And he would have had to have died because Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus could have said, go away, and they would have all gone away. They had to obey his word. And he said nothing. He let it all happen. Why? Because he so loved that he gave. It was agape love. And uh, the third thing about it is it's selfless. Uh, agape love never asks, what do I get in return? When a guy says, I've given and given and given and given, it's time I get something out of this marriage. Well, you know what? You just, you just, revealed, you just revealed your phileo love. When, when, lots of times through the years, I've asked men, why do you love your wife? And they'll always say, well, because she's pretty and she's funny and she's cute. She makes me feel good. She's smart. I love to be with her because she makes me feel so good. Do you know that's all phileo love? That's all phileo love. That guy has been affected by her. Who she is has affected him. 
This agape love is love that is not moved by any beauty in the object of its love. When, when God loved me, there was no beauty in me that made him want to love me. He loved me because it is his nature to love. And that's another reason you need the Holy Spirit of God to produce this love because it's not my nature to love selflessly, sacrificially, and sacredly. It's just not my nature. Not until the Holy Spirit takes up residence in me, then everything changes. You've got to be born again to have this kind of love. But notice this, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. There's our example. He gave himself for it. And in every case, when you see the word love, it provokes the same thing. It provokes giving. Did you see that? Look at the verse again. Underline the word love. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. And, and then underline the word gave. Loving is the, it, it always ends in giving. Now, just because something is given doesn't always mean love, true love was behind it. Okay, people can be motivated to give folks stuff to keep them obliging. One guy told my dad one time, I was a teenage boy and I just could not, rem- I, I could not believe this guy saying it. But my dad thanked him for something that he had done for that this man had done for him, and he said, I always intend to keep one favor ahead because I never know when I'm going to need something. So he gave, but he used his giving to hold people under his thumb, so to speak. So every time somebody gives you something doesn't mean they love you. They may be using you. They may be holding you ransom, okay, and they, there may be a favor that they're going to ask in return. So their love may have strings attached, okay, but not agape love. Agape love will not have strings attached. And agape love always promotes giving. What does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So husbands... How does this agape love work with loving my wife? Well, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to mean giving. You say, okay, here we go back to Christmas again. <laughs> Let's think about something besides stuff that has cords and batteries on it, okay? There's lots of stuff that you can give that really don't cost you any money at all, and yet they cost you everything. You know, one of the kindest gifts that a man can give his wife is his eyes. He can have eyes for no one else. Pastored a guy in St. Louis who was a police officer. And uh, police officers always wear these dark glasses. I don't know why. It's a cop thing. That and donuts. Um, You'll always see them at donut shops with, with, with dark glasses on. And uh, sometimes they're the shiny glasses, that, like the mirror reflection glasses that you can, you know, ladies, you could fix your hair in his glasses, you know, because you can't see through them. And, uh, but she called them his girl-watching glasses. She said, I don't know why he thinks he has to wear those. She said, he wears those, and it makes me so mad. 
And uh, I actually had to counsel them because of her jealous spirit. And, uh, and, and, and it worked out okay. They stayed happily married for many, many years. But, but he came to the point that, that he couldn't wear those sunglasses. He said, it's part of the job. I've, I can't let people see what I'm looking at. And he said, I can, I can actually observe people better if they can't tell I'm looking at them. You know, it's part of my job as a cop. And, but she didn't buy that. She said, no, you're wanting to watch those girl joggers in their tight shorts. That's what you're wanting to do. And he denied it, but uh, until he quit wearing those glasses, they had a little issue. Give your wife your eyes. Give your wife your eyes. Let her know I have eyes for you alone. There's no one else that I even want to look at. What did Job say? Job said, I have made a covenant with mine eyes. Why should I look upon a maid to lust after her? So give your wife your eyes. Give her your ears. How often does it happen that my wife is, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something else, and all of a sudden I realize that there was an inflection at the end of the sentence, which means it was a question. And all of a sudden I realize she asked me a question, and it was only then that I realized she was talking to me. Oh, boy. Give your wife your ears. Pay attention. When she speaks, listen. That's another place. Look her in the eyes while you're listening with your ears. We used to tell our kids, listen with your eyes. But listen. Your wife has things to say. Maybe you don't want to hear them. But you need to hear them. You need to listen. You need to hear her out. You need to pay attention there are things that you could do that she's trying to tell you that you could do that would make your marriage sweeter. You know, I'm telling you, a sweet marriage is just a wonderful thing. It's just a wonderful thing. Uh, I, honestly, I could live on, on peanuts, and I don't even like peanuts. I could, I could live very simply because my marriage has been so sweet and so happy. Um, and I praise the Lord for that. Um, and, and I know not every marriage is so happy. It's, it's hard to believe it, but there's lots of people that are really unhappy in their marriage. Look at the divorce rate. Now, the, they say, well, the divorce rate's gone down. Well, the reason it's gone down is because people have just forgot marriage and started cohabiting, and that does make the divorce rate look better. <laughs> you know, you can split up and it doesn't count against you because you never were married. Um, I'm just telling you, a, a marriage is a wonderfully sweet thing. And, uh, but it's better if you give her your eyes and if you give her your ears. Give her your time. Most guys don't care to shop unless it's at Bass Pro Shop. Uh, they'd love to go to Bass Pro Shop or they love to go to some gun store like Shields or some athletic store. They love to go places like that. But you know what? It's a good thing to go shopping with your wife. Um, I've actually stood there and held her purse while she went in at JCPenney and tried on a dress. And uh, one guy walked up one day and he said, Hey, fella, he said, your purse don't match your shoes. I said, uh, you got a problem with that? <laughs> 
<laughs> he said, oh, no, 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 no. He said, I hold my wife's purse sometimes too. And uh, so, but uh, anyway, I, I'll stand there and hold her purse while she goes and tries it on. And, uh, you know, actually, I, I remember getting in a store one day and what she wanted to see was way up there on the top. And you had to have a, a like a stick with a hook on the end of it to get this item, this garment off of this top thing. And uh, so my wife said, could you get that down for me? Because the lady who was in the store was busy with another customer. So I'm getting this stick. And it takes some it takes some doing to do that when you don't do that for a living every day. You know, I mean, it was kind of awkward. But I got it down, and she tried it on. And obviously, the first one didn't fit. It was too small. I got another one. It was too big. And it went, you'd know I had to get three down before we got one that was just right. And uh, and then there's three ladies standing here. Could you get that one down for me? I ended up getting stuff down for three other ladies. They thought I worked there. Uh, but you know what? That makes for a sweet marriage. When you share some interests, you say, you're interested in shopping? Not really. I'm more interested in going home. I do real good on the trip home. Uh, but you know what? It's an investment. I'm willing to give the time because I know that it, it pleases my wife. She loves to shop, and she loves to shop with me. You say, well, my, my, my wife would just as soon go alone. Well, yeah, because you walk around like this the whole time she's there, and you say, go ahead and go in the store. I'll sit out here while I wait. And uh, no, you've got to participate. Listen, shopping is a participant sport. It's not a spectator sport. It's a participant sport. You've got to get into it. Roll your sleeves up. But give her your time. There ought to be some time just for the two of you. Now, it gets really hard when you've got a house full of kids. I know we had six kids at home all at once, and to give everybody a little piece of time, at the end of the day, sometimes it didn't feel like there was much of me left because everybody needed their little piece of time. But don't cheat her out of her time. She needs it. My wife has given me time. Time and time and again, she's given me time. She's reached places I couldn't reach. She's gone places I couldn't go. At times, I've had to be two different places at once. And you know what? I've had the kind of wife that I could say, you go there and I'll go here and, and we'll cover both bases. And she's done that. And without a complaint. And so, for me to not give her some time back, what kind of guy would I be? Give her your hands. Um, stuff around any house needs fixed. And, and most of the stuff around our house I, I fix except for plumbing. She's better at that than me. And so she's got to the point that she just doesn't even ask me anymore because everything I ever touch with plumbing goes bad except for opening up a drain when it gets clogged. Now, I do that. But if the faucet, if the uh, washers need changed in a faucet, she does that. But, uh, but, you know, there's lots of stuff around the house that I fix because it pleases her. And uh, it's my way of showing her agape. Okay. Uh, give her your courtesy, kindness. Now, listen, there's times that we go places and we're on business. She opens her own car door, gets in. And uh, I open my car door and get in. It just saves time because we're in a hurry. We're doing business. And she's okay with that. 
But as soon as I opened the door for her, she says, oh, this is a date. I said, it's a date. We're going to go eat. And uh, so from here on out, it's a date. And we'll turn a business trip into a date sometimes. And she likes that so much. Um, Give her your courtesy, your kindness. Um, This is one of the hardest ones. Give her your heart. And I mean by that, uh, give her your confidence. You know, lots of people think that they have been intimate because they have been physically intimate. But they have never really bared the secrets of their heart. When you tell your wife your fears, when you tell your wife your hurts, when you tell your wife your disappointments or your frustrations, or here's really the hard one, when you tell your wife your temptations and you share those with her, She knows he really trusts me. He really trusts me. Listen, that kind of intimacy, some ladies have lived a lifetime without. Because the husband, it's part of being a man. I'm going to carry this alone. Nobody's going to know what I'm feeling. Nobody's going to know what I've got to be the man. No, it takes far more strength to unveil the secrets of your heart and share in confidence those things that are what make you really who you are. And then she needs you to give her forgiveness. She's not perfect. She's going to do things and say things that aren't right. She's going to make mistakes. She's going to back the car into a fire hydrant. She's going to do something She's going to make a mistake. Forgive her. Forgive her. (laughs) Give her forgiveness. And so I want you to see here that your Christmas shopping list could actually change significantly if you just gave her the right things. And none of these things cost any money. But I will tell you, they cost just about everything. It costs just about everything. So let's read on. Husbands, love your wives. This is verse 25. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Men, there's some responsibility that a husband has to get his wife in the word. A lot of guys say, well, she's a far better student of the Bible than I am. Well, then you've got a real challenge. Because one guy said one time, my, my wife would say to me every morning, sweetheart, what has God given you for me today? What she meant by that was, I expect you to read the Bible and come up with the truth that you're willing to impart to me. She was actually holding his feet to the fire. You are the head of this home. Act like it. And yet in such a sweet way, what has God given you for me today? Ha! The lady 
later was killed in a car wreck. And her husband, who was left behind, said, Imagine what kind of a man I could have become being married to a woman like that. I could have become a really spiritual man married to a woman like that. Ladies, that's your influence working. So you kind of need to cause your husband to see that that's what you hunger for. I hunger for that. What did God give you for me today? That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Notice verse 27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And then so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. I'm going to just close here because I'm out of time. But uh, imagine, this really should not have to be said because according to the scripture, when we get married, we are one flesh. Verse 30, Paul says, We are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. I shouldn't have to be told to love her as my own body. She is my own. She is me. I shouldn't have to be told her to love her like me. But that being said, does your back hurt? Maybe her back hurts too. Are your feet tired? Maybe her feet are tired too. Um, have you worked hard today? Well, maybe she's worked hard today too. Uh, I'm saying how, how you physically feel may be exactly how she's physically feeling. And we need to take that into consideration. I need to love her like my own flesh. You say, well, I don't think I love my own flesh. Oh, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Honey, bring me that glass of tea. I've worked hard today. My feet are tired. Um, bring me this. Bring me that. Uh, no, we, we love our own bodies, and, and we don't like pain. And we, there's, we, 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 after we've worked hard all day, we love a good shower get in and get the dirt washed off and, and get refreshed? Yes, we do. Do we love a good meal? I, I'm loving my own body when I eat fried catfish. I'm loving my own body when I eat a steak. Do, do I love myself? Yes, I do. Well, I need to love my wife like that. And so we'll close with that. Just some thoughts on husbands, love your wives. Remember, Christmas is coming. And uh, what you can give her for Christmas may not have to cost you much in the way of money. And uh, that doesn't mean you need to be a cheapskate either. But uh, think, of, think of what you could give her that would really be meaningful to her, that thing that she would love to have. Is it your eyes or your hands or your attention? Maybe you need to be a better listener.